0: All right, well I thought um, just before we get started talking about vision, I had a little uh maybe a milestone in in my family um, this this week, actually yesterday, we had a milestone and it kind of relates to vision in a very small 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 way, uh, far stretch of a small way it relates um, but uh but anyways, I've I've had a vision for something in my family for a while. Um, it was maybe somewhat of a could have been a, a passion growing up, maybe more of a pastime, maybe really none of that. But, um, but you know, uh, my wife was involved with uh, uh, 4-H and stuff like that when she was growing up. She showed sheep and things like that. So did some of the her siblings here. Um, Lydia showed sheep and so did a lot of the other ones that... I don't know if you, if you were at Lydia and Alan's wedding, they, they shared a fun story there about how the two youngest sisters, Lydia and Naomi, used to take turns practicing on showing sheep on one another and just you kind of get down and push on the other person's leg and keep the posture good and all that stuff. But uh, that, that's how they got to be champions at showing sheep. But my family, we did just a little bit of 4-H type stuff. Uh, and, and we did a different... Uh, oh, a different sort of creature. We did chickens. That our, our our family. Some of you might know that we had a dozen chickens there. That I don't even know how we got them or why we got them. But um, but I remember showing them at the county fair. And one year, and I still don't even know how. I just. Uh, I handed my chicken to the judge, and he he took it, and he squeezed it, and he looked at it, and he gave it back to me, and next thing I knew, I had the grand champion chicken that year. And uh, and so I've had a vision for my family ever since that we might pass this on. My wife has uh, spurned the idea of poultry for many, many years. Um, She thinks it's a little lower on the pecking order of animals, right, the livestock, Back in order, get it? Ha, ha, ha. Okay, all right. Thank you. Um, but anyways, uh, recently my my wife and Grace Weeman were at the county fair, Adams County Fair, and I think the Lord just kind of broke through my wife's hard heart, and they uh, Grace and Morgan decided to buy chickens, and and the vision began to to take you know to take off, you know. so they brought some chickens. Morgan brought. We got four chickens. The Weemans got four chickens, um, and. You know, we've just been feeding them and caring for them, loving on them, praying for them, um, you know, things that you do for chickens. But, so, so recently, we had a milestone. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday morning, we had a milestone, and we got the first egg out of our chickens. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable. The kids are very excited about it. If you ask them, they will still be excited, I'm sure, but I wanted to show you this specimen of the egg that we got. <laughs> I don't know if you can see that. We have to put that on the big screen or something here, but uh, maybe this will help a little bit get this name from us. <laughs> This is a, a really, really small egg, but it's the beginning of a vision that we have as a family here. And so it's just fun to see. This might even be the first fruit. thinking about sticking it in the offering box over here, the giving box. Um, we'll just see what happens. But we're, we're excited. And it is, like I say, in a very small way, it relates to what we're talking about here in vision. A very small way. Um, but anyways, we're, we're going to jump back into this series. I'm going to do a little recap of what we've covered over the last couple of weeks together as a church. It's been a five-part series. Um, if you've missed any of the other ones, you're, you're fortunate because this is the one that kind of summarizes them all. I'll do a quick, uh, you know, I started off this series and shared about the importance of vision. And I shared kind of a, you know, I don't know what the picture's going to look like, but here's what I believe will be four brush strokes that God will use to paint the picture, the vision that He has for this church. We'll review those uh, you know after uh, Jeff and Jeremy shared uh, the following week, and you know jeff shared uh, and i 'm just going to share some of the things I came away with from these guys then oh yeah I should probably click you 're clicking for me awesome thanks there we go jeff Jeff shared about um you know one of the ideas I really took a hold of was the idea that our target, what we're aiming for is to be like Jesus, to become like Jesus, that He's like the pattern that we're shooting for. And all else besides Jesus, if you, you know, laid this pattern down and cut out everything else, that's what we're aiming for personally uh, as we try to follow Christ, that we become like Him. He is the target of what we're aiming for in each one of our lives and then as a whole together here. Uh, and so, I remember that. Jeremy shared... Um, Jeremy shared something about my favorite, used to be my favorite Sunday school song ever, um, This Little Light of Mine. And now we don't sing that around our house anymore. Um, no, just joking. But you know, he shared the analogy of sometimes we try to be this little candle and you know really try to encourage the little tiny flame to, to grow and stuff. And when, when in reality the idea is that we're just supposed to be a part of the blazing glory of Jesus Christ. And, and as we just rest in His glory, Awesome things, radiant things happen through us and around us, and you know, and we just get caught up in Him as the source of that. And I, I think that's, uh, again, we do want to do that. We want to catch that, grow in that. Tim shared about the grace. Tim and Greg shared the, shared the following week. Tim talked about them. Grace and how it is counterintuitive. It's just we're so ingrained to us that we've got to perform. We've got to do things to seek God's approval. And he shared, you know, Martin Luther and some of these other things. And just, I love that word, counterintuitive. Grace is so not what we're used to. And it's so what we need to figure out and grow in to see God do all that he wants to do in our lives, and our church, and through us. Greg shared about um, kind of his testimony, his journey of grace, and how grace versus performance, and how he had this Performance um, mentality all of his life and uh, you know I thought he shared some really great things there again but it tied back into God wants to graciously help us accomplish everything that he's called us to do and um, it's, it's more about you know looking on and being focused on the performance of Jesus Christ and and then out of love responding to that and trying to please him not because we have to but Because it is fitting and it is awesome. But anyways, then Brad talked the following week. um, You know, Brad and Rob Brad talked about Coke, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola One, and the Holy Spirit, I remember. Um, And so, uh, you know... There is an ongoing pastoral debate uh, at a very high spiritual level between Coke and Pepsi, and obviously we know which camp Brad is in, so um, he's in the Coca-Cola camp. We all agree about the Holy Spirit, and the Son, and the Father, and things like that as well. But, uh, so, you know, it was just that idea that God has some things that He wants to bring to our lives and to our church through the Holy Spirit that I think we've just scratched the surface on, and it's not like we haven't been trying, but I think God wants to open up a whole another world of the ministry of His Spirit in our lives and our church. And uh, Rob shared about them, you know, he shared... The great joke about the great commission. Lo, Jesus said, "Lo, I'm with you always." He doesn't go with you into the air. You know, on air, airplanes is not, you know, not territory he covers. But no, <laughs> lo, I'm with you always. Um, and he talked about the journey of Jesus. It's really about uh, not just where we're headed to, but um, who we're going with. Who's loaded up in the minivan with you, you know, on this journey. And and. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's been a theme that we've been talking about as we go here. Um, and I'm going to do a, a kind of, you know, I'm supposed to be the bookends. I, I kick things off. We had some guys um, over the next those couple of weeks, and then I'm the kind of other side of the bookends. I, I realize in some ways bookends, if you get got any bookends in your house, they're kind of supposed to match a little bit. And so... No guarantee this bookend is going to match that one, but no, I, I hope they will. I hope you'll see some themes that um, span this whole series here. But really, we started this journey off, whoops, um, I'm going the wrong way. No, there it is. Recap of our series. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> My person, oh, yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we started us on this whole journey is we started thinking about um, staffing questions and structural things in the church, and then we started going like, well, before we hire more people and, you know, start kickstart more ministries and things, we've got to figure out what is it, again, we're trying to accomplish, you know? What, what are we trying to do specifically? And in general, we know the Great Commission. We just want to reach the world, get the gospel to everyone, and it's just big, but sometimes, you know, nebulous sort of thing. We're trying to wrap our arms around. Around. And the other problem that we, we try to tackle in it all is this. We look around the church. We just go, well, there's a few things that we look for as far as metrics and how your church is doing. But a couple of them are... You know, is anyone coming to faith in Jesus Christ? Is anyone lives? Are their lives getting turned around? Are, are people having radical salvations? Um, are people getting baptized as they say, hey, I want to go public and identify with Jesus? Um, you know, we, we measure those and we go, okay, well, you know, just one eternal salvation is, you know, immeasurable, right? So that's good. And we've had more than one. Um, but we also started going, well, how are we doing in sharing? You know, we can't really... We're not responsible for salvation because that's in God's hand. And then a changed life is really in God's hand. But how are we doing in sharing? And we look at that and go, well, I think we could do better. And I don't know about you, I look over, I've been reflecting over my last year here of how I've been doing in some of these areas, and I go, oh, I think I could do better. I think we could raise the grade. I think we could, you know, not because I have to, not because I've got to perform, because, but I, I want to be more useful to my Savior. I want to respond more than I did this last year to His love and, in ways that are fitting and, and even pleasing to Him. But the problem, the challenge is that uh, if we look at each one of our lives, we did some surveys over this last year, and we kind of tried to see how often people are sharing their faith, how, how equipped they feel to share their faith, a lot of these different things, and we kind of came away with, you know what, we've got to do something here, we've got to do something, and we talked at the very beginning of the series, we either need to change what we're aiming for, let's shoot for something else, you know, let's just shoot for, you know, happy people in our church, or something different than People getting saved and becoming disciples of Jesus that are filled with the Spirit, you know. But we decided, you know, we're not going to do that. We really feel like we've been given this great commission uh, to carry out. It is the mission that Jesus gave. It has not changed uh, how we're doing at that. But, you know, really this vision that we've come away with, I think it's kind of our answer. It's our response to what are we supposed to be doing? What, what are we trying to accomplish? What is the vision of the Firehouse Church? And then some maybe some more tangible ways of figuring out how how are we doing it that or how can we do that. Um, really the process we've gone through, one of the steps that we've done over the last number of weeks and even the last couple of months is to clarify our vision. We're going to talk about what we feel like God has, has led us into related to a vision statement. Just one simple sentence that encapsulates the Great Commission. Um, we talked about getting a game plan. So here's what we're trying to do. Here's our vision statement. Well, now what are our goals and what are the plans? You know, we talked about, uh, I remember I shared a few weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, the idea about like losing weight. If you've ever wanted to lose weight, everyone has good intentions on losing weight. Probably especially after the New Year's and all these parties and all the food we're going to eat and stuff like that. We're going to have great intentions about losing weight. But if you don't get a game plan you don't set some goals and start doing some things and hopping on the scale and trying to get those numbers to go down. It's kind of like, you know, we want to lose weight, but it's like skipping a meal occasionally or trying to exercise a little more and, and eating a lot more or whatever, you know, the things I've tried before that didn't work. But once we have some goals and some plans, I think we're going to make a little more progress uh, than we have made up to this point. And I feel like, you know, God's blessed things thus far. We want to get to work after we get this game plan. And by God's grace, this new year, we just want to go, I want to get to work. I feel like uh, the Apostle Paul, when he says, um, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Um, you know, and then he goes on to say, and I, I worked, the grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than the rest of them, but not me, but the grace of God that was with me. We want to have some combination of we want to do amazing things, but somehow not me, but the grace, gracious help of God with me, you know, and and that's what I think God has for us this new year. But anyways, I want to share the, um, really I think it's one sentence that we felt like God... um, honed us in on as we were speaking for an expression. What is the Great Commission of the Firehouse Church? What is the way to express that? I called around. I looked at a number of websites uh, in some of our other churches. I talked to my father-in-law. They have similar types. They have an expression of the Great Commission in their church. But this is the one we feel like God led us to. And this is the one we're going to talk about this morning. We really feel like the vision that God has for this church is to reach the world with Jesus. Reach the world with Jesus starting here, starting right here. And, you know, in some ways it's a simple seven-word sentence. It came down from 11 or 12 words to seven words. And, uh, but we feel like it has a lot of meaning packed into it. It's really, a, again, way, the way we feel like God led us as a church to encapsulate the Great Commission, what we're trying to accomplish. A couple of things that it means, you know, reach the world is kind of obvious. God has told us, um, you know, I think the Living Bible puts it, go into all the world and it preached the good news to everyone, everywhere. Our mission, the scope is to reach the world. Uh, another part of that is with Jesus. With Jesus has a lot of meaning packed into it here. Um, you know, it means with Jesus, it means with the gospel of Jesus. The gospel is really the message about Jesus Christ. It's, it's the message, the introduction to the person of Jesus. And we want to reach the world with the gospel. I think we also want to reach the world um, with Jesus as in, as in disciples of Jesus. When we go into the world, we represent Jesus. Jesus is represented by you and I. We are as ambassadors, as disciples that are following him. And we want to reach the world and let them know here's, here's what Jesus looks like through us. That's what we've been called to do. We also want to reach the world with Jesus as in the spirit of Jesus. You know, He said, I'm with you always. Um, It says He would would give us the Holy Spirit, which is His Spirit, uh, that we're not doing this mission alone. It is with Jesus, His very presence, that we're trying to carry this out. I think starting here has some really neat facets as well. Um, I think starting here, um, really, to me, I, I think it helps us go from, I think there's an error, you know, two errors that come naturally when you're talking about vision related to the Great Commission. One is you have this mission that's so big, we're going to reach the world, that there's, it's just so huge, there's nothing really practical about it. We try it year after year, we're on the Great Commission. still. So, hey, we're we still on the Great Commission. Yeah, we are. We're still part of the Great Commission churches. Yep, yeah, we are. Okay, good, let's keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's a very big, but hard to get tangible about. The other side, I think people can sometimes take vision and they go, yeah, well, we can't really do that. Let's do this. Let's compact it down into one little thing. Our vision is to, you know, reach this neighborhood and that's it. And I go, well, that's great. Maybe that's practical. Um, but that's not the mission Jesus gave His disciples. He gave them like mission impossible. Reach the world with the gospel and it's going to be hard and they're going to oppose you and you've you got to love them. And so I feel like this encapsulates both. We want to reach the world. We want to think globally. It's like the old bumper sticker, right? Think globally, act locally, or one am in our neighborhood, I think. Think globally, globally, drink locally, something like that. But we want to do, we want to think globally. We're aiming for the ends of the earth. Jesus did not change the scope because, you know, he said, oh wow, this generation, yeah, you guys are kind of distracted, yeah, a lot of prophetic pastors running around there. Let's just downsize this for you. And then maybe next generation will give them the big mission. He didn't do that, you know, we still got to reach the world. I signed on to this journey because I want to be a part of reaching the world. I remember before I became a pastor, before I went on staff with the church, I thought, you know, I'm running with some people that really they're trying to reach the world and they're trying to start right there in their local church and that's what I want to do. And I realized that to be a pastor, I thought, you know, as a pastor, one of the things you have is that you have a, a vehicle, a church full of people. Then it goes from just you trying to reach the world, but you're a part of a church that wants to reach the world and you know, that's what I signed on for, and that's what I'm still signed on for, and I don't feel led to downsize our mission. But I do think we need to get more specific, starting here. You know, um, I love the verse when Jesus commissioned them, and he was talking to his disciples in Luke 24. He just talked about starting, beginning at Jerusalem. He said, reach the world, I'll take the forgiveness through my name to, to the world, and we've got to start right here in Jerusalem. And we want to start right here in our Jerusalem, and, and there's a couple of things that that means. In our hearts, I want to start in our hearts. You and I, we need to start right here. That if, if this mission is not on your heart, if, you don't have a, if you're not compelled for some reason, mostly for love, for your Savior, to carry out this mission, we've well, we got to start there. We've got to kick-start our hearts. We need to have, starting right here in this church, in this congregation, this group of people, we need to start the mission right here in some very practical ways. And then in our Jerusalem, we need to start this mission. In our Jerusalem, it includes this neighborhood, But it also includes your neighborhood, wherever you're going home to. It includes your workplaces, it includes your classrooms, your schools. We we need to reach our Jerusalem, no matter. And that represents a lot of different locations in this group of people. It's not just this neighborhood. A vast majority of people in this room don't live right in this neighborhood. We've been called to reach our Jerusalem, which includes this. But all these other places as well. But that's um, you know, this is what we feel like God's led us into. We're gonna, I'm gonna just gonna share a few of those brush strokes of how we think God wants to do this. I'm gonna close um with some time of prayer and stuff. And next year we really want to kick off just talking in more specifics about some of the goals and some of the game plans, some of the strategies. But I'm gonna give you just an overview here. I love this uh this idea um. As I've been reading the book *Visioneering* by Andy Stanley, that talks about vision, one of the things he says is that vision gives you, it gives you focus, it gives you clarity. You know, in some ways, um, this is uh, some picture off a physics website there. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you think about the sun and it's sending all these rays, and when you get a magnifying glass, um, you know, what a magnifying glass, it takes the rays of the sun and it takes them through this lens, and they come out all pointed in the same direction after they go through the lens. And, and what happens after that? You can start a fire, right? That's, that's what I've been. I've been loving teaching my kids some of these science experiments. We got the magnifying glass out in the yard this past week. And, you know, I carved a few you know and things on, on stuff out in the wood out in our backyard. And I did it in a responsible way in a spiritual way I carved the cross on one of the pieces of wood back there and we watch it smoke and do things like that sometimes you know we get a little less noble and we carve our name into something or burn ants or something like that I try not to do that but um, but one of the things that, that I think is exciting in some ways this mission statement is like a lens for us each one of us you know we are kind of we want to do things for God and we all have our little tracks that we're on as a ray um, but when you take a vision statement what it does it says hey there's, there's 150 of these rays, let's focus them to get one thing done here. And it has a greater impact. It can start a fire. It can make a mark. When otherwise, the the sun's shining, it's warm, and it provides light. But when you get a lens and a focus, it provides something that's more powerful than that. I think that's what God wants for our church. He wants us to make a greater impact on our world starting here. Um, And so, that's pretty exciting. The other thing that a magnifying glass can do is... um, it, you know not only focuses things but it also helps helps you what you know it helps helps you see things in a bigger way you know in some ways this mission statement is going to help us focus on what we're trying to do but in other ways you know what we're kind of going to be that land as a church and, and individuals and you know our job is to magnify Jesus and that people would see him bigger than they see him we're not going to change his size he's infinite in so many ways but through us as a church and through our lives, I think our job is to magnify Him and let, that people would look at us and they would see Jesus bigger than they would otherwise. Because in general, we're, we've got spiritual blindness. We have a hard time seeing. But God wants not only to impact the world around us, but He wants to be seen bigger through you and I and through our church. And that's that's exciting. I don't know, does that make my eye look bigger? I'm not sure. That's, uh, that's kind of fun. But anyways, um, I think of a verse, Psalm, uh, Psalm 34.3, it says this, You know, this is how we feel as pastors and leaders as we go, we think this is what God's calling us into, to reach the world with Jesus starting here, starting here. And Psalm 34, 3 says it like this, glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt His name together. You know, I feel like a more literal translation, I think the NAS says magnify the Lord with me. Let us glorify His name together. That's what we want to do. We want to glorify the name of Jesus. We want to take this magnifying glass and carve the initials JC into this planet somewhere, right? Um, No, maybe something more glorious than that, but that's the idea. Um, And so anyways, a few few ways we feel like God wants us to get there. There's some maybe of our strategies here. Um, Reach the world with Jesus starting here. Here's what we're going to need to be. Here's what's going to need to happen. We're going to need to be impassioned. We're going to need to be impassioned by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to need to be impassioned by the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're supposed to proclaim it. And we need to be envisioned to make disciples of Jesus. We're going to talk about each one of these. Slide for each one. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. These are blanks on your form here. You can fill them out right now and be done with all your blanks. Um, but we're going to keep talking. We're going to be equipped. We need to be equipped with the tools of Jesus. We need to be equipped and ready for Jesus. These are the four things we talked about last time I spoke, just these brush strokes, the gospel, and disciples of Jesus, the gospel about Jesus, empowered and going on mission with Jesus. And then we also talked about being ready for Jesus. I think being equipped and ready for Jesus. And so um, we're going to look at each one of these here as fast as we can. And How are we doing time-wise? Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, we need to be impassioned by and proclaiming the gospel. Oop, I'm back up here. So, uh, you know, at this point, I just want to talk about a few things. You know, one of the things we, we know, and you've probably noticed the same thing, uh, we're trying to share the gospel as a church. If you've been w- with us at any period of time at all, I mean, one thing you've heard once, uh, what's the old saying, if you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times, We need to get out and share the gospel with people in our neighborhoods, in our Jerusalems. Anyone ever heard that before? Okay, yes, we all. Any of them heard that? I feel like you heard that too many times now. Sorry, Um, we're going to keep talking about that. But what I've found as a pastor and as a leader, I go, there's a couple things I can do. I've got to be an example. I've got to have stories where I say, you know, and I went up and talked to this person who I didn't know and I asked him these questions and we got started talking about spiritual things or just uh, times where I set up an appointment to share the gospel diagram with someone. I want to be an example to you so I can go, well, here's what I did and you can do that too. You know, um, you're, you and I, we're not different. We have the same tools, the same spirit. Um, if I can do it, I think in some ways I feel as a pastor and stuff. If God can make me a pastor and use me for doing certain things, He surely can use you. That's how I feel. Um, Because I think it takes a lot of grace for Him to use me. Um, but anyways, uh, so we want to be an example. But the other thing we do, we, we just try to, okay, here's what it says in the Bible. We're supposed to go preach. We're supposed to be ambassadors. We're supposed to do it. And in some ways, this passage, it's kind of like we can feel like broken records. And sitting in the, you know, on the other side of the, the situation, you probably go, yeah, you sound like a broken record. And then we can do things like, okay, let's crack the whip. We're supposed to be sharing more. Come on, firehouse. And then, you know, you may or may not respond to that. Then we could try another approach. We go, let's, you know, cracking the whip doesn't seem to work. People don't like that. They try to crack you back and stuff. um, uh, What if we just don't say anything? Okay, we all know the unspoken mission to share about Jesus. We won't say anything. Does that help more? No, that doesn't get anything else done either. Um, And so, we feel like what God's leading us into is something crazy here. And that's that we need to start in your heart and in our hearts. Each one of us, we've got to start in the heart. Because if you don't have the motivation to share about Jesus, no matter how hard we crack the whip, no matter how much we don't speak about it, no matter how good or bad our example is, you will never be motivated. I'll never be motivated unless my heart is in it. Unless your heart is in it. We feel like God wants us to start in the heart and get back to the gospel here. And just, uh, you know, things related to... Um, we're going to use our small groups to, to, to center around the gospel more. You know, we've talked about this idea in our pastors. I mean, I thought it was kind of a fun idea, but it's kind of like... So if you've got a heart for Jesus and you're out sharing the gospel, I'm preaching to the choir. Unfortunately, over the years, myself included, the choir isn't what it used to be. You know, I read a statistic recently that said um, from um, from the generation called the builders, I think there's the builders, the boomers, the busters... The whatever comes next, but the, the latest generation, the youngest generation, is called the the millennials, right? And they say from the uh, the builders generation, which probably anywhere from parents to grandparents generation, roughly 64% of that generation was Christian, born again Christian. 64%. That number has slid down to this youngest generation that we now have on the on the planet here uh, in the U.S. This is a U.S. number The U.S. has 4% of that generation is now Christians. The choir is not what it used to be, you know. We can say we're preaching to the choir. Things have changed, you know, and we need to get the choir back fired up and excited about the gospel, things like that. But that's what we feel like God wants us to do, and and we need to start with the gospel. We need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. And and the Great Commission and sharing with others is only a response to that. If you don't know what all He's done for you... um, you know, you're probably not going to share. And if you are sharing, you're probably sharing and you're feeling like a hypocrite because you just have no motivation. You're just doing it because you should or not doing it at all. And we feel like we need to get centered around the gospel again and be reminded in this truth. It's kind of like, a, I think of a, a defibrillator. Any of you ever played with a defibrillator before? Uh, I have not. I don't know if you want to play with them. But in some ways, we, we need to get these in our small groups. We're going we're gonna to buy a bunch of defibrillators, okay? And in our we have these little groups of men and of women that we're going to get rolling as well called fight clubs and they're going to have defibrillators too what we're going to do is we're going to get around the gospel and we're going to understand how much Jesus loves us. And and what that should mean to us and all the ramifications of what it means to be included in Christ now through what Jesus did. And it's going to be like we're sitting around with defibrillators and we're going, okay, who's next? Daryl, come here. Okay, ready? Clear! You know, and we're going to try to kick-start our hearts so that we want to get out there and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't want to do it, you know, that's where we got to start. We've got to kick-start your heart, but that's a natural response. I think of the song that we sang: "Take me back to the the years of my youth, when we used to speak for hours in the day and let the moments slip away." If you've never had that time, where you go, I just—it's so sweet to be in the Word, to be communing with God through His Word, through His Spirit, and and of course, I want to go share with people. I—you can't. I know when I first got saved. You couldn't stop me from sharing. Eventually, you know, people had to slow me down. Like my HR department at Hewlett Packard had to say, "Hey, slow down here, buddy. You can't share with everyone like this, you know." Um, and but but if you've had that first love, you can't help but share. And if you've never had that first love, you probably can't do anything to get going. But we feel like we've got to start right there. And we're excited about that. And so we're going to use small groups in our teaching times here on Sundays and things to hopefully kick-start our hearts and do that clear, you know, and then release a whole bunch of you out in this neighborhood and your workplaces and who knows what's going to happen. But I think it's going to be exciting. But can you imagine if you had a heart to share the gospel anytime you got the chance? Can you imagine if that was your life? Can you imagine a church full of 150 people who go, I can't wait to get out of here because I know who I'm going to talk to next. Can you imagine what that would look like? Wouldn't that be awesome? And and don't you think that's what should be? It's not just, well, this could be. I really think that's what God wants for you and I, don't you? you? And we're going to try by His grace to see that happen. We'll talk about the next thing here. I don't know if you guys seen that. I talked about hipster stuff a couple weeks ago. And I just want to say, um, you know, if there were any rules, social etiquette related to hipsters, when I spoke five weeks ago, I guarantee you I broke them all. And I'm sorry about that. You know, I, I would plead ignorance as compared to maliciousness. You know, um, I just, you know, I know very little about hipsterness. Um, I... Um, I'm just pretty sure my wife will not let me ever wear skinny jeans, Um, and that's probably an okay thing, Um, but I saw this thing, I looked this up, I heard Forbes, and then another organization, Nextdoor.com, I think they, they came up with a survey of the top 10 hipster hoods in the U.S., and... The low-high Denver is not in the top ten, but we are in the top 20 hipster hoods in the whole country. Isn't that pretty cool? Uh, It has to do with things like this. You know, it says this. Hipster has always been tricky to define, probably because no one wants to admit being one. Um, But here are the factors considered in this study. Walkability, according to WalkScore.com. Number of neighborhood coffee shops per capita. Um, Assortment of local food trucks. Number and frequency of farmers' markets, number of locally owned bars and restaurants—we've got plenty of those. Percentage of residents who work in artistic occupations—I don't know about that. Um, but uh, and how often words associated with hipness appeared on the next-door neighborhood site pages for these neighborhoods? Things related to hipness—are they—are they out there in our neighborhood or not? And apparently they are. Um, and so, what else do they have here? These neighborhoods scored the highest, being the best hipster hoods in the country. Um, and it goes on to talk about here, here's the top ten places. But what does it say here? You know, it talks about LoHi. You know, just the Lower Highlands, LoHi high for short. Pedals rooftop bars, festivals like low-high music festivals, street fairs, third highest number of coffee shops per capita. Out of all the places they looked at, our neighborhood, our neighborhood has the third highest number of coffee shops that serve kind of buy the glass coffee, organic coffee in the entire nation. Isn't that pretty cool? That's why I like this neighborhood. I figured it out. Um, but no, but this is pretty cool. So we're, we're, in a, we're in a hipster neighborhood. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you want to acknowledge your hipster or not. I'm going to try not to step on toes here. I think it's kind of cool. But you know what? One thing I do know, if you're out on the sidewalk Sunday morning, you know what type of people you see walking around? Not very many at all in our neighborhood. But if you're out there Saturday night, you know the type of people you see walking around? Our neighborhood is thriving and flourishing with a bunch of young couples and young singles that are cruising through on bikes or doing, you know, looking very professional or chic or whatever it is or, or not chic and, you know kind of, what do they say? Some say they look like lumberjacks, you know, a hipster. I think Greg Miller told me this description, uh, and it, it's on YouTube somewhere out there. I think Mark Driscoll shared it. But it's the idea that, a, in general, a hipster is kind of someone that looks looks like a lumberjack, but they're skinnier than a tree. And so that's, um, you know, that that is, I didn't make that up. I could see some of that. Um, that's not always true, but that was Mark Driscoll's perspective on it. But, but anyways, we live in a great neighborhood, but here's the point. I'm trying to get to and all that. we got to get moving faster here. You know, we're called to make disciples. Um, You know, Jesus said this. We we looked at this verse before. Jesus said to some who believed in Him, He was talking to them and He said this, If you hold on my teaching, you are really my disciples or you're truly disciples of mine, the NAS says. But you know, at the firehouse here, we really want to be disciples of Jesus. We want to be, um, you know, we want to We've been talking about getting a label as a church. We'd love to have a label in the low-high neighborhood of the Jesus people. Well, there's the firehouse church, those low-high Jesus people. I don't know if they call us the low-high Jesus people or not, but we want to be known for the Jesus people. And the only problem I've seen with that, initially we talked about that and I go, that's cool, the Jesus people. Yeah, we're just doing things. You know, what did Jesus say on that? I don't know. That's, we, we should find out more about what Jesus had to say on a lot more issues. As many of us... Probably don't know what he said about a lot of things. Um, But what I've also found is there's other churches within a mile radius of here and two mile radiuses of here that would uh, describe themselves as the Jesus people. But the unfortunate thing is I've searched some websites and and done some looking. There's some churches out there that would say, hey, we're the Jesus people. And you look at their doctrines and different core values and beliefs and you go well, you must be talking about a different sort of Jesus. One of the churches says they've got kind of the love of Jesus and one of their distinctives of doctrine is they do not believe in hell. Well, you know, the Jesus I believe in, He spoke about hell quite a bit actually. Some say He spoke about hell more than any other subject in in the Gospels. Um, So if you're following the Jesus that doesn't believe in hell, you got the wrong Jesus. Um, someone else, there's another group that says, you know, they don't they really downplay sin. You know, it's like, what's the big deal about sin? What's the big deal about roles that God has given, you know, different people? Um, and I go, well, I don't know about your Jesus, but the one I read about, he's dead serious about sin. As men, recently in some of the uh, groups, we've been trying to fight sin together, but we're looking at the verse like where Jesus says, hey, if your, your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Because it's better to enter life maimed than to go to hell with both your hands. That's what Jesus had to say. I don't know what Jesus they're selling out there, but we want to follow the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And he said, hey, look, you want to be my disciple? Stick with my teachings. And we want to be known as the Jesus people in this highland neighborhood. And that means we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to dig into this a little more. I think as uh, we've been doing accountability with some of these men, um, and thinking about fight clubs, like one of the books we read, i bumped into that verse, chop off your hand, chop off your foot, and I've never used that in 12 years of ministry related to accountability. But Jesus said, hey, look, you want to deal with sin? Chop off your foot. I've been telling guys, hey, look, you want to follow Jesus? Well, here's what he tells you to do. Sometimes accountability is like, okay, I've got this accountability group and I'm sinning and, you know, hey, uh, you chop off my foot for me? Sure, I'll chop off your foot. Okay, well, I kept sinning. Well, you chop off my other foot for me? Yeah, I'll chop that off for you. No, Jesus said, hey, you want to deal with sin? You want to get serious about it? Gouge out your eye and throw it away. That's the Jesus we're talking about following. He, he got serious about sin. He got serious about love. You know, he said, here's, here's a way to mark yourself. You know, as a church, we go, well, this is a good thing to aim for he um, said this this is a classic one on this um, lose my verse you know a new command I give you here's how to tell you really disciples of Jesus here's how we can tell uh, a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another uh, and he also went on to say greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends you know Jesus is serious about loving one another He's serious about loving God. He said, hey, if there's anyone, your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, um, your love for them, in comparison to your love for God, it should look like hatred. That's the Jesus we're we're called to follow. That's the Jesus we're setting out to follow here. Other people would say, well, that's controversial. How dare someone say something like that? I didn't write it. I'm just trying to follow him. And I realize I'm doing a, a much more pathetic job than I thought. But, but we want to seek Him to help us in that. We want to be known for the Jesus people, like the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And, and we're just wondering, does that sound good to you? Are you in, could you imagine each, each one of us just going, well, what did Jesus have to say? Well, that's what I believe. That's what I'm going to try to do. Imagine us as a church just going, well, that church over there, they say they're Jesus people, but they think sin is actually wrong. You know, there's that passage in in Mark 7 where Jesus labeled all sorts of sin, like sexual immorality, um, and and other things he he called them. He said, these evils come from your heart, and how dare you say that sexual immorality is evil. We live in a a society that doesn't agree with that, even a Christian culture that doesn't like people saying that. But we're going to get serious about following Jesus here, and and I hope... That resonates with you. I think it's some challenging quotes here. Um, you know, Some of you know William MacDonald's uh, True Discipleship. He said this, The Savior is not looking for men and women who will give their spare evenings to Him, or their weekends, or their years of retirement. Rather, He seeks those who will give Him first place in their lives. That's what Jesus is looking for, that type of people to follow. And Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it like this, When Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. Do you want to follow the Jesus that they killed, that they persecuted for living a perfectly loving, God-centered life? Do you want to follow Him? Because I think that's who we're going to be trying to follow here, if you had not figured that out already. And so, anyways, this is, some, this is something that is a part of the vision. We want to make disciples of Jesus. We want to be known as the Jesus people. We're talking about doing a series in this new year that just says, what, is, what are the Jesus people? What are they like? What is a disciple we need to learn about that. And then we need to live live it out because, I mean, that's the only way we're going to get a label is if we're actually doing that. Um, and, and But yet, that's what we're going to aim for. i got to wrap things up here. Oh, well, yes, I do. Okay. We'll move faster. You know, this other one we talked about, we need to be empowered by the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. You know, and... Um, and this one, I just see there's so much for us to grow in. We've been indwelt by the Spirit. If you're a believer, you've been indwelt by the Spirit. You've been sealed. You've been marked for, for eternity, for redemption. We're called to be filled with the Spirit. We're called to walk in step with the Spirit. We're called to witness in the power of the Spirit. We're called to be um, sensitive and obedient to the Spirit. And, and we've got a lot to grow in there related to the Spirit. If I have one illustration, one thought to leave with you, I... See, imagine this. This is what I think of. What if we had a church full of people like Philip from Acts chapter 8 here? You know, at one point it says, uh, uh, the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is verse 27. So he started out on his way He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading, reading the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. It goes on to say a couple of verses later, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Could you imagine if you and I We're as in tune with the Holy Spirit as Philip. Where God could say, Hey Rich, there's a guy going to be walking up the street here any minute now. I want you to go out of the cafe. It's a corner. You'll see him there. He's going to be kind of talking to himself. He's praying to me right now. Can you share the gospel with him? Could you imagine if God had the ability to speak into each one of our lives? Could you imagine if we were a church full of 150 Philips? That God could say, Hey, see that guy there on the bike with the beard and the flannel shirt? Can you go up and talk to him? Yeah. I want you to start talking to him about, about me. He just prayed to me. Or whatever it is. But could you imagine a church full of Spirit-led disciples of Jesus? It would be awesome. God would just unleash us. And this neighborhood would know that Jesus' people are here. But first, we've got to start with being men and women who are more in tune with the Holy Spirit, more in step with the Spirit, more controlled by the Spirit than we are by our flesh and more more desiring of doing God's will than the distractions of this world. But that's something we're going to be aiming for. We're excited about that. We're going to do some teachings and some series and probably even, I would assume, have some tools some booklets related to what does this spirit-filled life look like? I'm excited about being more like Philip myself. Last thing we do is uh, equip people with tools. You know, it's like, well, we can do all these different things. But one of the things we realized when we did a survey last year is that a lot of people said they didn't know how. They didn't feel confident sharing the gospel, or even sharing their testimony at some places. And and we want to take time to get people confident in sharing the gospel. Maybe it's not the 33 memory verses of the um, of the diagram class. We're probably not going to get rid of that one. That's about the comprehensive version. But maybe God wants us to learn a simple version of the gospel, that you can share the gospel verbally with someone in a minute. Uh, that would be, that'd be something probably pretty helpful to most of us. But if you could share your testimony right on the spot and have a clear theme and just share how you became a, um, a Christian, how you got saved, um, how you began following Jesus as your Lord, as, as being His disciple. You know, um, we want to... Equip people to share uh, to serve more with their gifts, your talents, your passions we 've talked about it. it 's one of the things that got this conversation started. We go, We need some more ministry teams in this church, and we need some more outreach teams, and so uh, we're going to help people get uh, on these teams and start forming them and, and get using them to build up the church or to reach out from the church. Um, but that's something that we, we've got some deacons that we, we went through this deacon class. We've got some guys that we're going to be evaluating to, to commission related to some of these ministries. But we're excited about some of that. I was thinking through just our list of ministries that we had people sign up for. You know, like the greeting team, inf- information team, cafe team, media team, worship team, sound team, drama team. Um, we have our children's ministry team. We've got marketing team, design team, website team, uh, you name it, finance team. And the favorite of all, set up team, tear down team. Um, we have outreach teams we've been thinking about, international teams. Uh, we know there's the potential to reach out to Highland Mommies. We've got some people that want to start a financial peace university class just to square away finances. We've got, we had a coupon meeting this last week with a number of people that came to check out couponing. Couponing for Christ, I think is what they call the group. No, I, it was not. It was, it was not associated. It was not a spiritual couponing. But I think I've heard couponing can be spiritual. Um, but anyways, we want to do some more outreaches, and we want to have people like you and I involved with with your passion and with your gifting, and and work more to get things accomplished than we ever have before. That's that's on the table for this new year here. So, um, ministry teams, outreach teams. You know, um, I just think imagine. Uh, Imagine just feeling confident. Any situation you're put in that you could share your testimony on the spot. That you could share the gospel. Say you had 30 seconds. And I've heard the, the stories before where someone's like, it shows up in an accident and someone's dying and you got 30 seconds to share the gospel. Could you do it? Or would you just stumble over or be so paralyzed with fear? We want to be equipped. We want to be ready. You know, i I think about equipped and I think about ready. We talked last time, uh, one of the brush strokes, was we've got to be ready for Christ's return. And, and I just think that, that would I would include that in this being equipped and being ready. For me, out of all of this, going with the gospel, being disciples, being filled with the Spirit, being equipped... To me, I think of all of this as this big equation, and there's one drop, um, I was talking to Amy Olson about it, she's our resident science expert, I think, science teacher, um, but I remember some, somewhere along the line, high school, college, they had these different e- chemistry experiments where they do these chemicals in, and you know, the whole thing turns blue, and then you do a few other things, and the whole thing starts smoking or bubbling, you do something else that does this, but I remember one, and I don't know what it was, but it's the idea that you have this equation going on, and you put this one chemical in, and the whole, the whole solution turns clear. It just turns clear. And for me, this being equi- being ready for Christ is the, the drop that, that we've got to be thinking about. That droplet of, you know what? He could be coming back any time now. You know, we're reading through the minor prophets in the one-year Bible. That's always an exciting time of year to go into Christmas thinking that the end is going to happen like, you know, December 21st. Uh, I, I wouldn't put any money on that. but uh, But, you know, I've just been... Anytime I think about that, it gives me almost an instant sobriety of what we've got to do is important. We're running out of time. You know, I encourage you to look at the signs. Jesus talked about His return. Matthew 24 talked about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. Um, He talked about, you know, famines and pestilences in in Luke. You know, He he talked about all these different things, but there's things going on all around us. I was reading in the One Year Bible recently, it talks about Syria and Egypt in end time scenarios. And I go, Who's on the news right now? Assyria and Egypt. And some of these different things. You know, I just as we go into this Christmas time, it's it's real easy to get distracted by all these odds and ends and have the holiday punch and the Christmas ale. And I just encourage you all to be looking at your Bibles. Keep an eye on the news. Watch for Syria. Watch for Egypt. Watch for one of the all prophecy scholars, Bible scholars agree that one of the final milestones is going to be a a uh, peace treaty in the Middle East, like we've never seen before, and that's like starts the clock to really the final sequence of events that the Bible says is going to happen. I encourage you keep sober-minded through it all. We're we're running short on time. We could be that generation where Jesus says, "This generation, you're going to see it all," and we've got work to do, and we just need to have a, that drop of urgency to it all. And let's let's go ahead. We'll pray and we'll get on with it here. Okay. Oh, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for this morning. And, and God, we just ask for your help as a church. We feel like you've given us this vision uh, to reach the world with Jesus starting right here, starting here. We just ask for your help, Lord. Help us to um, grow in these areas. God, help us not to have hard hearts. i just reading in Hosea how it says, time to break up the fallow ground, break up the hard ground of our hearts. God, we have areas that we are hardened to, whether it's sharing the gospel, whether it's responding to the gospel, whether it's trying to live out the teachings that you gave, whether it's being sensitive or callous to your spirit, whether it's being callous towards the, the signs of the end times. So help us to have soft hearts. Help us break up our fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord. Help us to seek you, God. We need your grace to implement all of, all of the above. And I just pray even over the next couple of weeks, help us to be seeking you for, for what you want each one of us to do. Um, and God, help us just to obey you in that. Help us to have faith for the things that lie ahead. God, I pray that we would get the name of being the Jesus people, like the Jesus people who really follow the teachings of Jesus, who are led by the Spirit of Jesus, who preach the gospel of Jesus. God, help us in all of this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. I hope we'll catch you next Sunday night at the Firehouse Christmas Concert. Have a good one.